Welcome to The Joy Factor, a podcast dedicated to helping you create a path to joyful living each and every day. We're sharing inspiration from real people combined with practical tools you can use to unleash the playful and joyful spirit already inside you. Now, here's your host, therapist, life coach, and yoga teacher, Julie Hansen. Welcome to The Joy Factor. So glad you joined us. Today, I'm having a conversation with my friend and colleague, Jason Dorish. Jason is a licensed professional counselor with a private practice in Denton, Texas, and his insight is definitely worth hearing. Jason has some great suggestions for finding joy in the everyday, and he comes from the perspective of someone who became blind at a young age. He talks about the journey he took to claim his blindness as a gift and not a curse. And one of the things that's striking about him is that he's able to really practice embracing all of his emotional states. He offers some good thoughts on how to accept what's going on and then move on from it. And I think that this is a great skill to practice because we all struggle But a lot of the time, it can be tempting either to ignore painful emotions or to feel beaten down by them or overwhelmed. As we look to uncover a path to joy, it's important to remember that it becomes more possible when we allow all of our feelings to have a place at the table. It doesn't mean we let our feelings rule, just that we acknowledge that they exist. So let yourself slow down for a few minutes and tune in to what Jason has to share. Okay, let's get started. Jason, we've known each other for over 10 years, and so many times I've walked away from a conversation with you feeling thankful and inspired for one reason or another. Can you tell us who or what has inspired or taught you about living joyfully? Sure. I am blind and found out as a child that I have a degenerative eye condition. And there was a program in Dallas called Dallas Services for Visually Impaired Children. And the man who ran that program named Gene Dove became uh, a mentor to me, my sister and my family. And he really, I would say, is the first person that ever taught me that being blind and visually impaired was a gift and that it wasn't a curse and that I could go out and do things. And really, for me, started me on the path of self-discovery. He's the first person that taught me about meditation and music and those sorts of things. Is there a particular instance that you can remember or a conversation with him that really served as kind of a turning point? I can't really because I'm still I'm still in touch with him. Um, I talk to him about you know I'd say two or three times a month, but really I think for me looking back at the influence he had on me, my sister, and my family, overall is just that blanket acceptance that we were valuable and that we were loved. Great, that's a huge message. So if our listeners are trying to kind of find that path for their for themselves and maybe sort of struggling on what might be a starting point to begin that journey. 
because even though your situation's a little bit unique and what you went through with your family is, you know, your story, everyone's got a story. And I think that whole idea of blanket acceptance, as you put it, is very powerful. What can we guide our listeners toward when it comes to just starting that journey for themselves? For me, it's really, we talk about this in counseling all the time. It's setting small, achievable goals. And for me, it really, it really is that sort of thing. Like when, you know, when I work with people and, you know, let's take their smoking cigarettes and they want to go from smoking two packs of cigarettes a day to not smoking any packs of cigarettes a day. They focus on not smoking any cigarettes. And where I generally start with them is if you're smoking 40 cigarettes in a day, for the next week, I want you to smoke 39 cigarettes in a day. For the next, the week after that, you smoke 38. The week after that, you smoke 37. Because again, for me, it's finding what works and realizing that you have power over the situations that we find ourselves in, in which often we feel the most powerless. And often when we feel the most powerless is because we're taking often too big of chunks out of those situations and focusing on what we do have control over in smaller increments, for me at least, and for a lot of my clients, helps them make those better decisions. Great. So just really claiming the power minute by minute almost. Yeah. In terms of, you know, if you can spend one minute thinking about, all right, you know, I'm going to smoke 39 cigarettes instead of 40. Or if you can spend one minute, you know, just deciding I want to bring some joy into my life in this moment, those minutes grow. So I think that's a great example. Thanks. Take us to a moment or a situation where you're struggling to hold on to joy. What are your joy stealers and how do you how do you get it back? So I think, again, I'm going to come back to what happened this morning so for your listeners, Julie and I, this is our second take of this recording. And this morning, my phone rang twice while we were trying to record this interview, and I felt very embarrassed. And I wouldn't say ashamed, but I, I became very anxious. And I, you know, worried that you were going to be upset and kind of all of these all of these negative thoughts kind of came. And I said, OK, you know, like that happened. It's not the end of the world. I'm going to take a couple of deep breaths. And th this is not a life or death situation. And and for me, I think really the joy, you know, that term you use, the joy stealers, for me is when I start taking life too seriously. When I am focusing so much on negative things, when I'm focusing so much on what I can't do or what I don't have control over, again, back to that kind of power conversation, Realizing for me what I do have control over, what I do have power over, taking a couple of deep breaths and moving on and realizing it's probably not a life or death situation. You know, it's interesting that you mention that because I think that we we, of course, all have our default settings. Right. And some of that is hardwired like, oh, you know, something went wrong automatically I'm going to have that feeling of embarrassment or worry, like all of those sort of tense kind of states. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like what you're describing is really learning to expand your default settings. 
So maybe you spend a moment in, in of, you know, light embarrassment, but then you transfer that over into a sense of humor and, you know, a sense of lightheartedness. Well, and I think, again, I'm going to paraphrase that thing, the, the quote from Carl Rogers, like the paradox is once you accept yourself is when you change. And for me, through meditation, through yoga, through working with my clients, trying to deny those negative experiences, deny sadness and depression and frustration and shame and anger, for me, often makes them more powerful as opposed to sitting and accepting and saying, yeah, you know what? I am sad. I am depressed. I am anxious. I am ashamed in this situation. And that's okay. Right. And... Those are those are emotional states. We, we we all experience the full variety of emotional states. And for me, it's accepting those and then moving on from them. So if we've got a listener out there who is just trying to get started and is just thinking, OK, what what are some practical tips or suggestions that I might hear today from Jason to help me get on that road? Can you offer us a couple just really simple kind of starting points? Sure. And, and what I can offer is what I've found out, found out through trial and error. So I think it's very important to say when you're starting on this path, like anything, like I was just saying, it's okay to fail. It's okay to say, you know what, I'm not going to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and go to the gym. Because no matter how many times I try to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and go to the gym... I, it's just not going to happen for me, but for, for some people that works. So we think for me, really getting up and walking my dogs is a very meditative practice. It's also physical exercise. I take them on pretty good walks every morning. It helps me get ready for the day. Meditation is a very important thing for me. Deep breathing. I play the Native American flute, so playing the Native American flute, reading Either inspirational materials, you know, um, I'm a therapist, so reading stuff about therapy or reading, you know, things like that, or just reading a book that you enjoy. And really, really, for me, it's it's building a life step by step that promotes joy. So making sure you get enough sleep, making sure I eat breakfast, making sure I eat breakfast that's filling enough that can get me through, because in the morning I usually see three or four clients, so if I get up and just have a cup of coffee and a donut, I'm going to be starving by 9 o'clock. And if I'm starving by 9 o'clock, I'm not going to provide as good as, as good of therapy to those clients. So again, it's really figuring out and figuring out what's going to work for you. Great. And and it sounds like, you know, that that recognition of, you know, you're talking about your pets your meditation practice, um, enjoying playing the Native American flute, the books, the movies, like all of the things that you've mentioned really do reflect this sort of well-rounded approach that it isn't just one thing, but each of these things is helping create that sense of expansion and that sense of, you know, really claiming your right to have joy in your everyday life. And, and I think to the acceptance that you have bad days. I, the you know I think that's also a major part of why I can turn towards that joy so often because the joy sometimes is as fleeting as the sadness the depression you know they all come and go. So if someone's having a bad day, like you said, how do we prevent that from turning into a bad night or a bad week or a bad week? 
I think for me, especially like when I'm having a bad day, um, <laughs> sounds funny. I'm a big fan of naps. Um, I do. <laughs> I'm um, getting that from you. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> it's, um, well, no, and, and this, and it sounds very funny, but like when, when I get cranky, right. Or I'm having a bad day or am I having a bad something, you know, generally it's because I didn't get enough sleep. I'm hungry. I had, I, and one, a big thing for me is one of the things we talked about earlier is for me, coffee, right? I, I really enjoy coffee. I love the flavor of coffee, but I can't drink coffee because it makes me, it makes me crash. It makes me groggy. And it, it, it just makes me kind of irritated. I found in my private practice that a lot of people view finding time to take care of ourselves as a selfish act. And I wonder if you might kind of comment on that a little bit to help us sort that out a bit. Well, and I'm sure I've said this to you since we have known each other for so long. And I don't, I don't know where I got this from. I don't know if this is something I've made up. I don't know if this is something I've read somewhere. But I often talk to my clients about the difference between being selfish and self-full. And that being selfish has a very negative connotation. But being self-full, to me, is doing the things that we've been talking about. Making sure you're sleeping, making sure you're eating. Those basic needs. Taking time for yourself. Because for me, I can't give to people out of an empty vessel, I, those things that we've described, meditation and walking and dogs and connection, are the ways I feel, for lack of a better term, my empathy tank or my compassion tank or whatever you, know, whatever you want to call it. And if there's nothing in there, I have nothing to give. And so I, that's, that's often how I, you know, I reframe that for my clients quite often uh, when we're talking about them starting to get on the path of health and healing from, you know, either mental illness or addiction or just simply trying to live a, you know, happy, healthier life. I like that a lot, that idea of a compassion or an empathy tank. It's a good visualization. Okay, Jason, speaking of, you know, you mentioned a few minutes ago that you really enjoy books and movies and Netflix. Do you have any to recommend to our listeners? <laughs> I, I, well, no, I, I laugh because again, it's, it's find what works for you. I, I, I'm finishing a PhD in marriage and family therapy. So I, I love reading. I read all the time. I read therapy books and I really enjoy them. But for me, again, at the same time, I really like science fiction and fantasy. And so when I've had a long day of seeing clients, I want to go home and watch 30 Rock or Arrested Development or something funny. I don't, for me, it's really, it's really about, again, focusing on joy, focusing on laughter, focusing on those things. And don't get me wrong, I, I enjoy shows like Dexter, you know, things that have a more you know, serious bent like that. But for me, when I've had a long day, when I'm thinking about increasing my joy and decreasing those negative emotions, it's really focusing on those things that bring me joy. You know, and for me, sometimes watching the news and watching programs like that or reading books that I find disturbing or that sort of thing don't promote joy. Right. So, again, just tuning into what your experience is exactly. and, and paying attention. You know, we pay attention to the weather and we check the temperature and we look for rain. But I think it's equally important to do that internal weather check and to really just sort of be aware of what that internal landscape is telling you. And if you're having trouble falling asleep when you watch the 10 o'clock news, you know, that's a pretty big indicator. Mm -hmm. 
Um, same thing if you get that little rush, if you watch a great episode of 30 Rock, you know, paying attention to that, mm-hmm. I think is a really good lesson. And um, I sure have appreciated talking to you today, Jason. Where can our listeners uh, get a hold of you if they want to contact you? Absolutely. I'm in private practice in Denton, Texas, which is about 40 miles north of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I have a website, I have a Psychology Today profile, and they can find more information about me and my practice through those platforms. Excellent. All right. Thank you. Thanks. I'm still thinking about the Carl Rogers quote that Jason shared. When I accept myself just as I am, then I can change. I think that really speaks to the idea of accepting not just ourselves as we are, but also the experience we're having just as they are. I think Jason's message to start with small steps and remember the basics is really important. He talked about self-fullness versus selfishness, and that's worth giving some thought to also. How much do you fill your own cup? Do you get enough rest? Are you eating a good breakfast? What else do you need to do to take good care of yourself? I hope you'll ask yourself these questions and figure out what questions you need to be asking yourself so that you can prioritize yourself this week. Just remember, even the very smallest actions can yield big results. You can find Jason at www.dorishcounseling.com and his website along with the notes from today's show can also be found at thejoyfactor.com. If you enjoyed the show today, I would really appreciate it if you left a rating and a review for me. You can do this right from the joyfactorpodcast.com page or directly on iTunes. Your support means a lot, and the more that you help to put those reviews down, the more people are going to be reached. I'd also love to hear if you have any show ideas, or maybe you have a person that you think would make a great guest for the show. If you've got any suggestions, ideas, or any questions, hop on over to thejoyfactorpodcast.com and send me a message and I will be happy to respond. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for listening to The Joy Factor. For more information, visit www.thejoyfactorpodcast.com. 